Today on CityCast Philly, we've talked on the show about the city's crowded mayor's race, but city council is also taking up a lot of space in the upcoming primary election. Dozens of candidates won in, and City Hall could see its biggest turnover in decades. So who are these candidates, and what could their impact be on Philly? It's Monday, May 8th. I'm Trinae and here's what Philly's talking about. Max Marin, you've been covering city council races for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Why are city council members so important to the city? City council in Philadelphia is part of the like executive and legislative balance that we have here in the city. Um, going back to the 1950s, the city restructured and created this sort of you know more balanced government form where we have a you know a very powerful mayor who controls the administrative end, everything from the police department down to the streets. Um, and then we have a city council, which uh, can introduce legislation and approve the budget for the mayor. Um, we have a 17-member city council here. It's quite large. Mm-hmm. Um, there are 10 district council seats and then seven what we call at-large seats, which are citywide lawmakers who sort of have on paper purview over the entire you know 215 area. Okay. So, Max, let's, let's get a little political one-on-one here. What's the difference between an at-large council member and a district council member? So um, besides the obvious like geographical differences, there are 10 districts that are broken up into sort of geographic segments in the city covering different, not necessarily by neighborhoods as we would think of them, but they are their own you know, entities that encompass multiple neighborhoods. These district council members have a lot more conventional power over things like development uh, in your neighborhood. District council members get a lot more control over uh, certain resources that can go to uh, neighborhood groups, right? They have they have a more confined, you know, obvious area of, of influence and control. At-large lawmakers traditionally have been seen as less powerful, but that has changed a lot in recent years as Philly has introduced some pretty groundbreaking legislation uh, citywide that has gained national attention. What's What are some examples of that? Sure. Yeah. So over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot more ambitious legislation from at-large council members, the progressive wing on city council that has really grown and taken over a lot of traditional power in the legislature, has introduced a lot of things around worker protections, labor rights, rental protections, protecting people from evictions, uh, bills that have really gained a lot of traction on the national level too mm-hmm. around some of these issues that are really you know hot button issues, especially for progressive candidates. And Philadelphia succeeded in passing, you know, some pretty landmark legislation, and that's all coming from at-large members. Now, district council members introduce their own legislation too. A lot of that has to do with hyper-local issues in their districts, making different land use decisions uh, on a very micro level. At-large council members have started to look at the bigger picture legislation in the city and gained a lot of ground on that front. In our city, we've seen incumbents stay in office for years and of the candidates running, whether they have political experience or not. Could we see a turnover down in City Hall? Yeah, I mean, City Hall is facing a pretty unprecedented amount of turnover as it is. We've done a lot of analyses at the Inquirer just to get to the bottom of like how how much City Hall is changing between the mayor's office and the legislature right now. And obviously everyone is paying attention to the mayor's race, right? We all know right. we're getting <laughs> Philadelphia's 100th mayor, could be Philadelphia's first woman mayor. Right. But there's even more change happening in city council that most voters I think aren't probably aware of going into this election. 
basically a couple things have happened. We had a, a huge volume of candidates drop out or leave office in city council in order to run for the mayor's race. Uh, people you've probably heard of, Helen Gim, Alan Dom, Maria Quinones Sanchez, and Derek Green, who have since dropped out. Right, because you can't hold a city council seat and run for mayor. Bingo. We have uh, something that's called the resign to run rule in Philadelphia, which is supposed to create you know, a limit on the influence that you can have. So if you work for the city and you want to run for office, you have to quit that job in order to you know, launch a campaign. Okay. Now, obviously, if you are an incumbent, you do not have to quit being a city council member in order to seek re-election. So there's, there's some advantage built in for the people who are seeking re-election. But to your point about uh, the turnover, we are going to see at least eight of 17 people on city council next year who are being elected to their first full term. And that's almost half of, of council that is going to be completely new. And you know, going by our numbers, looking back at all of the different council changes over the years, this is the highest level of turnover that we've seen since the 1980s. Okay, interesting. Max, what are the signs of a strong candidate? Well, for the district races, incumbents have a lot more power, basically because you control the reins over a lot of important decisions around land use and development in your district. Um, it makes it harder to get competitive challengers who want to run against you because uh, let's say you run own a business. Let, you know, let's say, what, what, what neighborhood do you live in, Trinet? I live in West Philly. West Philly. So let's say you own a business in West Philly and you don't like your council member in the third district, which covers most of West Philly, and you want to run against them. You're risking potentially creating this political enemy with somebody who controls things like a zoning variance that you might need to build like an extension on your business. A lot of people look at the power that district council members have and think, I'm not going to run up against them even if I don't you know, agree with them. I don't want to create problems for my interests going forward. At-large members, because they don't control any particular area, it's more of an up-for-grabs debate. And so basically every four years when these seats are all up for re-election, you see a ton of candidates running for the seven at-large seats, and you see very few competitive candidates running against district council members. Is that good or bad for our city, though? Depending on who you ask, it's it's not good. You know, we want a strong democracy. I think advocates of you know more open elections or more competitive elections would say, you know, it's not a good structure to give district council members all of this influence and power that can like sort of ward off competition. And then, you know, obviously the resign to run rules, they can they can keep raising money and keep building power and influence over their four years in office. And then again, going back to the point of why we have a zillion at-large candidates every four years, and this year being no different, you're not running against someone in particular, right? So even though we have incumbent at-large council members who are seeking re-election, you're all running for this group of seven seats. It's not that you're running against one particular person. Max, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about these candidates. First, let's talk about the crowded field for the at-large seats. It's like more than 30 people running, right? I'm on vote.phila.gov right now, scrolling down the list of candidates. Um, so who's running? Can you tell us a little bit about these candidates? So first, I guess we'll break it down by saying if it's not complicated enough, we have seven at-large seats, but as you mentioned, five of those seats are traditionally held by Democrats. They're reserved for the majority party in Philadelphia. That's obviously Democrats. Those five seats are being right now fought out amongst 27, I think is the last count that we have. Yeah, that's what I see. 27 Democrats on the ballot right now for those seats. And we have uh, another set of seats that the Republicans will try to fight for, but other third party minority parties can fight for those as well. So the Working Families Party, which is already won one seat on city council and taken away one of those two minority party seats from the Republicans is trying to fight for those. But that won't be so much of an issue until the November election. Right now, 
all eyes are focused on this democratic race for these five seats, five of the seven at the at-large. And yes, we have, we have a ton of candidates. Last time there was about 34 Democrats that ran. It's always packed. Um, and it's extremely, extremely hard to get any sort of attention to your race when there's this many candidates. I mean, I'm one reporter and I cannot cover 27 different campaigns all campaigning full time at the same time. It's impossible. So yeah. Right. You're not a superhero. <laughs> no, you start so you you start to you have to look at candidates and sort of lump them together and look at what are the similarities, what are the different groupings and possibilities that we have for five people to come out victorious in this race. And, you know, endorsements play a huge part of this. So obviously the Democratic Party in Philadelphia right. backs a, a slate of candidates. Progressive groups are going to back a slate of candidates business interests, development interests are going to back another slate of candidates. Um, I think, you know, the business world, sort of the world of commerce and the world of sort of progressive interests have really come to be the two sort of main defining poles in this race, in addition to obvious alliances with certain democratic leaders and parties. But these candidates are just looking to align with people and get their names on as many sample ballots that people get outside of their polling places. Because the reality is, it's just so hard for them to connect. It's a citywide race. Everybody who votes for mayor is going to have the option to vote for five of these council members in their party. And people are going to look at this list of 27 and the average voter is just going to say, who are these people? So the question is, how are, how are those votes being influenced? And the answer is through different endorsements and alliances, right? Max, like you just mentioned, you know, there aren't just Democrats running in this race. Could we see a new Republican or a third party candidate representing Philadelphia on city council? Yeah, uh, the general election in, is in many ways in November going to be just as heated as this election in the Democratic primary. Um, I would say it's virtually impossible for any of the Democrats to lose in the November election once they get nominated in the primary, just based on the voter registration balance in Philadelphia. There's more than seven to one Democrats to Republicans in the city. But those two seats for the open at large race could potentially spell extinction for the Republican Party on these city council seats. They've always been held by Republicans going back to the 1950s, uh, these two seats. Um, there used to be even more Republicans on council. But now with the sort of rise of the Working Families Party in Philadelphia, council member Kendra Brooks, who won election in 2019, ousted another Republican from one of those seats. And now the Working Families Party is running two candidates trying to take both seats in the November election. So Republicans are really trying to hold on to their last vestiges of power here. Um, there's a lot on the line for them. And you know that's going to be a huge consideration that people are going to have to look more at down the line for the general election. But right now, it's all eyes on who's going to take away these five at-large seats on council. Max, we're in the final days before the May 16th election. So are there any front runners in the city council race? Yes, there are definitely some front runners. It's a little more easy to eliminate the people who really don't have a chance in this race. Uh, you have to raise, you know, well over one hundred fifty thousand dollars to mount a serious citywide campaign. Um, most candidates wow. have not done that. The other advantages is that incumbents. There are three incumbents who are running right now: uh, council members Catherine Gilmore Richardson, Isaiah Thomas, and Jimmy Harity. The first two have been in office for a full term at this point. They have amounted a lot of institutional power, support amongst moderate Democrats and progressive Democrats alike. Jimmy Harity also has a really good fighting chance, a lot of support from inside the Democratic Party to hold on to that seat. He would be getting elected to his first full term because he was just voted in to fill a vacancy last November. And then we have a number of candidates who are running as you know newcomers who have not held any seat on council before, but there's still half a dozen campaigns that are fighting pretty seriously for, for a chance at those seats. And you know while the incumbents definitely have an advantage, there's you know, five or six candidates who have built up really widespread coalitions of support and are you know, really making a run for for their money when it comes to convincing 
citywide voters who again won't know, have much information about them to you know come out on top of this this enormous fight in the at-large primary. Well, Max, what do you recommend voters do between now and primary election day to help them make the decision of who to vote for for city council? Obviously, I think most voters just don't pay attention to this stuff until the last couple of days before they're thinking, oh, wow, I really need to figure out who's running. Right. There's a lot of names on this right, ballot. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, conventional wisdom holds that most people have been paying enough attention to the mayor's race that voters have a general idea already who they want to vote for when they go into that. But, right. you know, I, as somebody who's been covering these down ballot races, they're not getting a ton of attention. The candidates aren't getting much attention. The press coverage isn't getting that much attention. But, you know, in the last couple of days, I think that there's there's going to be a groundswell of interest and I will suddenly become the, uh, the, <laughs> the reporter that all my friends will hit up and be like, hey, who's running again? I need to know. We have a voter's guide up on theinquire.com that breaks down uh, a lot of the basic bare bones information you need about each candidate. Um, there's obviously a lot of reading to do if you want to just kind of survey the entire field. But what most voters are probably going to do is go to um, an organization or a civic group or neighborhood leaders who they trust and say, who are you guys endorsing? And so voters need to know sort of which groups align most closely with theirs, whether that's your local labor union. You know, a lot of labor unions endorse in all these races, big political powerhouses in Philadelphia. Finding out the group whose perspective you trust the most and seeing who they're endorsing and maybe comparing that against other candidates are endorsing and then and then start poking around. Use our voters guide, figure out the, you know, a little more biographical information about these candidates, see who you vibe with and take it from there. You know, you got five votes to spend. Max Mirren, reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. Hey, my pleasure. We'll have a link to more of Max's reporting in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. Three former Sharon Hill police officers who fired into a crowd outside of a high school football game back in 2021, killing eight-year-old Fonta Billity, were sentenced to five years probation. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, Brian Devaney, Sean Dolan, and Devin Smith pleaded guilty to reckless endangerment late last year. And according to their lawyers, the officers took responsibility so that the family didn't have to go through the trauma of a long trial. During the sentencing, Fonta's mother said she forgave the officers and hugged them. And former Mayor Bill Green has endorsed candidate Alan Dom for mayor. NBC10 reports Green and Dom were shown together in a recent campaign ad. Green served as mayor from 1980 to 1984. And before that, he served seven terms in the U.S. House of Representatives. Primary Election Day is Tuesday, May 16th. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode about the city council race, please tell your neighbor, rate the show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Max Marin, reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Philly. I almost said City Council Philly. Oh, my gosh.